It's not just about meeting people where they are, but it's about meeting people where they are and taking them where you're going to the way, to the truth, and to the life. And that is the expression. So I think we live it, then speak it. Because if we're speaking it and not living it, it becomes really a life of hypocrisy. And so for sure, not only do we live it, but when we have opportunities, we need to express it. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. This week, we have uh, what, I, what I consider a special guest. He's a good friend of mine. We've known each other since 1984, Thanksgiving conference. We have with us Frank Cerrone, who uh, used to, the, the way we met actually was he was traveling with Major Thomas and he they were here for Thanksgiving. Frank and I are the same age and uh, we just kind of hit it off right away. Didn't see each other for a number of years and then both of us ended up on staff at different torchbearer centers. Frank would come down once a year uh, leading a, a trip to Mexico and he would always stop in at his hill with the Ravencrest students and uh, we would catch up once a year like that when we were in our year, early years of torchbearers and then uh, as we got older started to go back and forth between the centers uh, teaching and our friendship just kind of grew from there. So I'm really excited to have Frank here and to talk with him. Frank, welcome here. Oh, it's great to be here, Kelly, and I'm looking forward to this time. And as you just said, uh, we have great years of friendship uh, from the time in Abbeville, yep. uh, Louisiana, and just uh, being down there with your folks and mm-hmm. uh, First Baptist Church there in Abbeville, and then through the years of being here at His Hill, and then even, as you said, just exchanging times of teaching at the different centers. Uh, it's been wonderful to have a friendship over these years. Yeah, it, it has been. Always looked forward to, to seeing you and spending some time with you. Uh, we were we were visiting last night. Frank and I went out for, for supper and then back to the house to spend some time with my family. And uh, I, I asked Frank if he remembered the time we were in England. He and... He and Krista, his wife, were there. Arlene and I were there. And we uh, had a, a, a little break there and wanted to run into town, into Conforth. And they had a rental car. We had a rental car. And we just decided for some reason we'd go in hours. And so Frank and Krista jump in the back seat and we take off. And <laughs> I, I pulled out on the wrong side of the road. Because, <laughs> you know, they drive on the opposite side there. And uh, scared everybody to death. And I remember saying, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And I just took the shoulder and it, it was very quiet in the car. You could tell there was, <laughs> everybody was praying. Then we, a few minutes later we were in town and I made another horrible mistake and I went over a bridge that was a mm-hmm. one lane bridge mm-hmm. and, uh, and everybody's yelling, Kelly I said, I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> And I remember Frank, poor Krista, I think she was ready to jump out of the car. and She probably was. <laughs> Frank, I heard Frank say, it's okay. He says he has it. <laughs> and so what happened was I actually jumped onto the sidewalk with the car and drove over the bridge on the sidewalk. And I remember cars driving by and people looking at me and there was silence in our car mm-hmm. the whole ride back to Cape and Rio. <laughs> oh boy. And I remember that because that bridge, there was... The one lane. And so you had to give it or you were going to be in an accident. And so, yeah. So that was quite the experience. And Frank and Kristen didn't get back in my car the rest of the week. (laughs) 
But we had a good time. Oh, no, there's, there's actually we've had a, a lot of good times together um, over the years, and it's been it's been almost forty years. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. we're we're right at thirty eight years now. Sure. Yeah, this year will be. And to think about it, you know, uh, something else that we have in common: we're both married to Canadians. Yes. Yeah, both of our wives are Canadians. Yeah, so that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. yeah, we so our, yeah we, we do, and our children that means our children have dual citizenship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, that's that's been interesting. There's been actually a lot of similarities over the years. Um, so Frank, t- tell us, you know, you've you've been a part of Torchbearers. We were laughing about it before we started to record that you know we're going to talk about your life, so we mm-hmm. want to make sure we mention Torchbearers. Then we laughed because basically that's been your life. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you started traveling with Major at a young age, and then went on staff at Ravencrest, but. How did you come to know Jesus? Right. Yeah. You know, I grew up in upstate New York, about two hours north of New York City. And uh, my parents weren't Christians uh, when I was born. Uh, My dad uh, would have been of some church background. My mother more uh, going to church. But, uh, you know, they both were really seeking to know um, who God is in different ways. And uh, they were invited to a series of meetings that were going to be held at our church. And uh, the speaker was going to be a British major. Mm. And, uh, you know, my dad was an engineer. And so, you know, he had a bit bit of an analytical mind and really searching that way. Uh, My mom had an interest in Christianity, but they were not at that place yet. There was a series of other events in which uh, my dad was selling a Carmen Ghia, Volkswagen Carmen Ghia, and there was someone that came by uh, representing a, a group called Teen Challenge. Oh, yeah. And this guy shared with my dad John 3.16 for the first time in my okay. dad's life. And so I think that was something that triggered my dad to really think beyond uh, himself and who this God is that loves the world. But then my parents went to that week of meetings that were being held by Major Thomas, and it was on the last night in which they went to those meetings throughout the week. And on the last night, Major Thomas used that example that he was so known for. If he, sa- he said, if you have an oil lamp, what do you need in the oil lamp to make it function the way it was designed to function? You need oil in the oil lamp. Mm. If you have a pen, what do you need in the pen to make it function the way it was designed to function in normality? You need ink in the pen. He said, if you have a car, what do you need in that car? to make it function the way it was designed to function, but gas in the car. And then finally he said, what do you need with man to make him function the way he was designed to function, but you need God back in the man, like oil in the oil lamp, ink in the pen, gas in the car, and God back in the man. Mm. And my, my folks became Christians, and shortly after that, at the age of five, you know, I became a Christian and uh, I really saw a difference in my folks' life and uh, began going to church and being introduced to uh, the gospel message at a young age. Yeah. Um, I became a Christian, but truly it was in growing up. I grew up in a great home, great church, great youth ministry, et cetera, but I had to own the Christian faith for myself. Mm. I couldn't rely on my parents' faith and it was very easy to, uh, but I had to really understand the life that I now had in Christ. And through my uh, you know, through my years of growing up and high school years, there were times of discouragement or there were times of distractions. But in those moments, I had to really come to an ownership of my faith and the life that I have in Christ. Mm. Yeah. And okay, so this was in New York, mm-hmm. state of New York. Yep. Um, and you were five years old when you came to know Christ. Right. Um, did you did you struggle at all? In, you know, in the early years or. 
Yeah. And like I was saying, you know, especially in my high school years, there were times I was faced with doubts, times of distractions, Mm -hmm. discouragements that would have come along the way. And and definitely, you know, I would have taken some detours along the way Mm. for sure uh, as, as a result of being distracted. Yeah. But I had to really come to realize this ownership of what does it mean to be a Christian. Okay. And it was very interesting because along that time, Major Thomas would keep in touch. Mm. And he'd come and visit our church every three years. And when I was about 14, he invited me to go to Cape and Ray Hall for the summer. Oh, wow. And that was an experience for me to go and really first time away from home and uh, to see Christianity lived out mm. in, in, an, uh, in other people's lives at a different part of the world. Mm. Uh, another thing that really made an impact in my life during that time was, you know, I was really questioning my faith and, you know, I was really trying to think through it for myself. And I went to a sports camp at a place called King's College. And uh, every night there would be a speaker and uh, they would get up and, you know, give a little devotion. But I'd often be one of those guys sitting in the back thinking I knew it all. I heard all of this before. And one afternoon, one of the counselors of the camp was out and just kicking a soccer ball with a few of us. His name was Rob. And he was just kicking the ball around, and I didn't think much of it. That night when I went to the meeting, I was wondering who the speaker was going to be that night and thinking it was probably going to be another boring speaker. Mm. And when I looked up, guess who was up there to speak? But Rob. Yeah. And uh, Rob made an impact in my life, mm. not just in what he said that night, but what he demonstrated that day when he was kicking that ball around with mm-hmm. me, he was showing me mm-hmm. truly what it is to be a Christian. And so when he got up to speak, I listened to every word the guy had to mm. say. Could I, could I remember what he said? Of course not. Right. But what I do remember is the life that he lived. And that made an impact as along with the time that I spent over in England that mm. summer. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. You know, so often we... We, we tend to compartmentalize, you know, we say, this is our spiritual life. This is my, my physical life or my, you know, this is, this is my sports or this is my school. This is my work, but, but my spiritual life, Christ is the Mm -hmm. big part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that backs that up. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul says for me to live is Christ. And he Mm -hmm. said that as a prisoner. So Mm -hmm. for me to be a prisoner is Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, in Philippians, he says, I can do all things through him Mm -hmm. who strengthens me. And, and so there, there, there seems to be, I know there was for me, and from what you're saying too, the same thing where, okay, I'm saved, mm-hmm. but this is not, this just doesn't seem, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it's enough. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe what's going on is that because we're, we're everything's gauged, judged on what I can understand, what mm-hmm. I can, what makes sense to me and what I can accomplish. Right. Maybe what I can accomplish, you know, to please God mm-hmm. instead of, you know, what really he can do mm-hmm. in, in me, yeah. uh, for his glory. And of course, you know, that's what, you know, anybody that comes to torchbearers, that's, that's going to be the emphasis that you hear is that Christ is your life. Right. Uh, so, so uh, Rob was his name, right? right so, Rob. so you were seeing mm-hmm. this life yeah. fleshed out and, and that's, that's what was an impact to you? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, in, in ways, um, Rob, you know, wasn't a guy that was speaking the message to me. He, right. was, he wasn't giving me the words. Right. He was living the life. Yeah. And I think I often feel it's better to live the life without the words mm-hmm. than to speak it and not live it. Yeah. And Rob 
went on to become a youth pastor in Brooklyn, mm. uh, New York. He actually has been involved with various ministries. And for a number of years, the Timberline students uh, would go on mission trips to oh, New York okay. City. Yeah. And actually, Rob was one of their contact people to set up ministry opportunities oh, there in New York City. Yeah. Okay. And so, and uh, I still keep in touch with Rob. Uh, okay. So now you spent the summer when you were 14 mm-hmm. in, at Capernary Hall in England. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like at 14 years of age? That was quite an experience. Um, I remember <laughs> getting to London. And, uh, you know, my parents put me on the plane there in New York City. I fly into London. Major arranged the, the air flight. But I get to London, and I'm planning on taking a train all the way up from London up to Carnforth. I get to London to find out that the trains in England are on strike. Oh, no. And so then I have to go to a bus station and proceed to take buses all the way up to the north of England. Did you have to figure that out by yourself? I had to figure that out by myself. <laughs> wow. I mean, some people helped me there at the sure. bus station. But I remember getting in so late at night, and Mrs. Thomas came down to Lancaster there uh, to pick me up at the bus station. And um, I got in, gave me something to eat. I slept about 1 o'clock the next afternoon. I wow. was so exhausted. Yeah. Uh, I had jet lag. But the experience of being there that summer was I saw, I met young people from all over the world, yeah. primarily from Europe, you know, German young people, Irish young people, British young people, folks uh, throughout Europe. And once again, we just had a lot of fun together. And uh, there were different folks on staff that had a real impact in my life. Mm. You and I were just talking about before how when we would go to these centers when we were younger, mm-hmm. all these different individuals that I would think of back then, Mark Thomas, Charles Price, Angela Mills, Billy Strachan, mm-hmm. um, John Hunter. These were guys that I looked up to and I thought, these are the older folks right. at the center. Yeah. And how quickly time flies by. And now you and I, Kelly, yeah. are probably of that age at these <laughs> torchbearer centers. But I remember spending time with guys like Billy Strachan, mm-hmm. um, Mark Thomas, of course, Charles Price. And they had such an impact in my life. And it wasn't just the messages that they spoke, but it was how they interacted with you. They had fun with us and they demonstrated what it was to Mm. be in Christ in so many ways. That's great. Uh, So you you were there, uh, you went home, finished school. Um, What... at some point, you know, you, you stayed in contact with Major Thomas and you ended up traveling with him. Right. Um, in which I believe I went back a couple years later, back to Cape and Ray for the summer. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, this was my senior year of high school. And Major Thomas asked me, what are you going to do after high school? And like a typical high school student, I had no clue. I could, I could have easily made something up, but I said, I really don't know. And uh, Major took me into his office there and he said, would you be interested in traveling with me after you graduate from high school? And um, Major Thomas would often have a guy travel with him, sort of like Paul would take Timothy Mm -hmm. and a real modeling and a mentoring experience. Every year um, there would be a guy that would travel with Major Thomas and uh, we were affectionately known as Majors mules, yeah. because in, in some ways, you know, we would carry all of the baggage. We'd do the recording, 
we had arranged all the travel arrangements and, and whatever. And he would he would so uh, you know refer to us as his mules, right. carrying his bags and whatnot. But I tell you, once again, the greatest experience. I heard the message of Christ every night, and it was powerful. But I think what really made the biggest impact was to watch him live this out mm. day after day after day, mm. and that was truly an expression of of the, the life of Christ. Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate you making the emphasis of that, the, the living out. Mm-hmm. You know, Rob, who you spoke about earlier, now Major Thomas, uh, living, fleshing out mm-hmm. the life. You know, it's, and and you made mention too that. Yeah, earlier that you know you feel like it's it's more important to to live this out yeah. than to simply speak mm-hmm. and i i agree with that mm-hmm. something i have found if we're not careful though that mm-hmm. can be kind of a cop out mm-hmm. you know i'm going to sure. i'm going uh, you know i'm I, i'm not i'm not a preacher i'm not a teacher mm-hmm. but i'm i'm going to live this out and mm-hmm. that's great mm-hmm. and i think that should be but sometimes, you know, I think it's just easier for to say it, for us mm-hmm. to say it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to live this out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what what's you know what are your thoughts on that? If you're going to live this out, what's necessary from from you? Yeah, I, I think, and it's maybe even true in our own culture today within the church. Um, we want ministry to meet people where they are, mm-hmm. but I think we need to understand the fullness of the ministry. It's not just about meeting people where they are, but it's about meeting people where they are and taking them where you're going mm. to the way, to the truth, and to the life. And that is the expression. So I think we live it, then speak it. Because if we're speaking it and not living it, it becomes really a life of hypocrisy. Yeah. And so for sure, not only do we live it, but when we have opportunities, we need to express it. Mm-hmm. You know, like St. Francis of Assisi said, that well-known yeah. quote, you know, preach Christ and when necessary, use words. Yeah. And there is an emphasis on using the words, mm-hmm. but I think it's built out of, or it really is seen in the life that is lived. Mm-hmm. A life lived then gives an opportunity to share the reason why. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that. You know, um, one of the, the, the catalysts behind the podcast ministry mm-hmm. has been, you know, f- for years, um, hearing our students who had a wonderful year mm-hmm. go home and just become very frustrated mm-hmm. because they, they, they're struggling with fitting back in there, yeah. uh, you know, and, uh, you know, how, you know, sometimes, you know, when you, when you come from a, a community like this or, a, you know, Ravencrest or any of the centers where, you, you know, you're with like-minded people in an intense atmosphere mm-hmm. for nine months, uh, you know, everyone's challenging, mm-hmm. you know, each other. And then you step out of that and maybe you're not hearing anymore. You know, you're not mm-hmm. hearing the same message. You're not hearing that Christ is to be your life. Yes. And that this is your salvation, you know, mm-hmm. his life. He mm-hmm. saved you from you. And so I, I think you, that, that again uh, w- w- was kind of the, the catalyst behind mm. this. You know, uh, actually, we were Charlie and I were sitting mm. in this room, hmm. uh, and we were talking about. It. I was here as a guest speaker, and uh, and knew that we were about to move back. And I just suggested, you know, some thoughts to Charlie. You know, uh, you know, he and I both have been concerned mm. about alumni for years. Mm. You know how mm. how how much do you do? You know, I mean, do you do, you don't want to become a crutch, yeah. but is there a way that you can continue to encourage and, and, and point them to Christ? 
And uh, so I just mentioned the podcast. Man, I barely had it out of my mouth. Wow. And he said yes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we've gone from there with that. And so, you know, I've been, you know, asking different guests on the, on the show, uh, um, similar mm-hmm. question. And I think what I'm coming to is that, you know, without faith, mm-hmm. it is impossible to please God. Right. You know, from Hebrews right. chapter 11. And, um, you know, as you therefore have received him, so walk in him. So mm-hmm. Colossians 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, how do we receive him? We receive him by faith. How do mm-hmm. we walk in him? We walk in him by faith. Mm-hmm. But faith is an activity. What you're mm-hmm. saying, you know, is that, you you, you know, the, the Lord shows you something. Well, you step toward that mm-hmm. by faith, trusting him mm-hmm. and not you. Just like we stepped out in faith for salvation, yeah. trusting him yep. and not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, again, Colossians 2, 6, as you therefore have received mm-hmm. Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. And so I appreciate, uh, you know, I yeah. appreciate you bringing that up. You know, this, this needs mm-hmm. to be fleshed out. How's it fleshed out? Well, you step out. How? Mm-hmm. By faith. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you, you just, just like you received him. Um, okay. So now you've, you've traveled. How long did you travel with major? I traveled with major about 18 months, about a year and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Just different places all around the world. And uh, met different people, yeah. different places. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, then after you were finished traveling with him, I guess you attended, was it Cape and Ray Hall? Yeah. yeah. After I finished uh, traveling, then I attended Cape and Ray Hall in England mm-hmm. for the fall winter school. And then I went to Holsby in Sweden for the spring school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, what did you do? After Bible school? Yeah. After uh, Bible school, then I, I, I came back to the States and um, I started at Philadelphia College of Bible mm-hmm. and uh, worked on a, you know, a degree in biblical studies. Uh, but even a few of those summers, I'd go over and uh, serve over at Cape and Ray in England. Okay. And so, you know, I was working on a, a biblical degree, but I still had an interest and a heart for possibly a future ministry of being involved with torchbearers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you finished finished college. What year? 1989. Okay. Yeah. And uh, then did you go straight to Ravencrest? Um, actually that summer I was over at, over at Cape and Ray before, and, uh, it was during that year in my senior year that Chris Thomas got in touch with me and once again said, uh, what are you doing after college? And I had a few ideas and a few opportunities, uh, but he began to explain the opportunity there at Ravencrest and it would be just coming in and having some opportunity to teach, uh, living among the guys, maybe helping with some of the outreach. And I really felt a tug on my heart of this is what God was going to be directing me to. So after I came back from Cape and Ray, I just packed a few things up and I drove my Volkswagen out from New York. I, I came into Colorado and uh, where Ravencrest is, yeah. is a dirt road called Pole Hill Road. Yeah. And I remember thinking this like it was yesterday. I remember taking a right and driving up that dirt road, Pole Hill Road, and thinking to myself, I'm going to give this place one year. <laughs> and I'd be curious to see if it's really where I need to be. Mm. And I basically was on full-time staff at Ravencrest for close to 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, so you, you went up Pole Hill, what year was that? <laughs> 1989, September, okay. 1989. So right after college. Yeah. Right so after you, college. You go there. Was that the first time you'd seen Ravencrest? Actually, I was at Ravencrest in 1984 okay. when I was traveling with Major there were different times that we would call 
Cape and Ray home base or Ravencrest right. was actually then becoming the home base for Torchbearers International. Right. And that's where Mrs. Thomas was living while Major was traveling around. And so often we would be back there at okay. Ravencrest that summer. So yeah. you're, all, you're there for almost 30 years. Yeah. Um, what, okay, you, uh, what, what were some of the positions you held there? Right. Um, you know, when I first arrived, um, it's quite interesting, in which I did some of the teaching, but I think in some ways uh, my role was sort of a catch-all kind of role in which when they needed someone to drive to the airport to pick up a guest lecture, I was often that right. guy. If it was, you know, doing different errands, I was that guy. If it was, um, you know, helping with the outreaches, it was often that became my responsibility. But uh, as years began to unfold, there'd be times that Chris was traveling more. Mm. And as Chris was traveling more, he would say to me, uh, can you look after the Bible school while I'm away? Mm. And uh, I gained more and more responsibility from just simply being a teacher to directing the outreach, given more responsibility of overseeing the Bible school, and then in time, given more responsibility as director over the center. Yeah. 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 So, and I got to... I got to watch a mm -hmm. lot of that development. I mm -hmm. think uh, you and I were both principals mm -hmm. at the at His Hill and Ravencrest at the same time for a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you became the director. And how many years were you the director? I was close to 10 years okay. as director. Yeah. And, uh, but something big event happened <laughs> during those years. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. You know, when I got to, to Ravencrest, I remember thinking to myself, um, you know, I'm not going to be interested in dating any of the girls for a while or any girls for a while. And it was pretty much uh, my first year being there at Ravencrest on staff in which um, this girl drove down from Ontario and uh, she was going to be a student at Ravencrest. And uh, I remember thinking, oh, you know, I'm on staff. I'm a teacher. I can't be dating a student. <laughs> and Krista was a little bit older. I think she was at that point about 24 years old. And um, I remember thinking to myself, uh, you know, I, I can't date her. But I remember talking to Chris about this. And Chris said, you know, take time, get to know her, but keep your distance. Uh -huh. And uh, Krista then stayed on staff that summer. And that's when we began to date. But I remember um, a way I was curious to see if she'd be interested or not. Mm -hmm. And um, on one occasion, um, I, I put a letter in her mailbox. And I said, um, if you're interested in going for a walk after class... Um, oh, you know, I said, do you want to go for a walk after class tonight? And I said, if no, then you have to jump up and run around the room and shout praise the Lord or something <laughs> in the middle of the class. <laughs> and, uh, and if yes, just meet me outside afterwards. <laughs> so she didn't have an opportunity. Oh, that's she great. wasn't going to jump up and run around the class. <laughs> uh, but, you know, as I said, you know, Krista was at a great spot in her life also and which really coming to know Christ in a deeper way. She grew mm. up in a great Christian home uh, there in southern Ontario in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Lord just really brought our paths together at that right time. And then we started dating. Later that year, we got engaged. And then uh, the following summer, we got married. Yeah, what year so, was that? 1991. Okay. Yeah, June yeah. 8th, 1991. And uh, during those years at Ravencrest, your family grew. Yeah, in which uh, Krista and I, uh, about three years after we were married, um, she was pregnant. And uh, we were praying that this little baby will have 10 fingers, that this little <laughs> baby will have 10 toes and all of that. 
We went in for the ultrasound at 20 weeks into the pregnancy, and on comes the screen, and I'm looking down, and I'm thinking, that is two faces. Is that one coming into focus? And the nurse leaned over to Krista and said, did you know that you're expecting twins? This is halfway through the pregnancy. And... Uh, and Krista quickly said, Frank, what did you do to me? <laughs> and then I remember thinking, you know, we were praying for 10 fingers and 10 yeah. toes and one face and all of that. And all of a sudden we had 20 fingers, yeah. 20 toes and two faces in which the Lord blessed us to begin with twins. Yeah. And Andrew and Ben. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> you know, it's been fun for me, too, because I've I've watched them grow up, too, you know, as you've watched my girls mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the boys boys would come down for camp mm-hmm. and uh and then uh, after a, a, but after a while there was there was more there wasn't yeah. just the two boys right in which uh yeah you know we started with two and then um 2 years later then Isaac was born yeah. our third son and then 2 years later our daughter Annika was born yeah. and so we had four children really in a space of 4 years yeah yeah that's it's quite an experience yeah yeah, I, yeah and and they uh they they're great kids too mm-hmm. whether well, they're, they're they're adults now mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but uh you know just full of life mm-hmm. and uh you know all boys mm-hmm. the boys were all boys all boys and Ani all girl, all girl. yeah that yeah. was great um now what are they doing now yeah in which um, Andrew, you know, they were all involved in going to a Torchbread Bible school somewhere yeah. and that. But Andrew is now, um, he's married. And uh, his wife, Jade, she was actually here, was on staff here at His Hill a number mm-hmm. of years back. He was a student also here at His Hill. And um, Andrew and and Jade have been married about four or five years now. She's expecting yeah. um, a baby in February. And uh, Andrew's a policeman in Fort Collins. And then our second son, uh, twin Ben, he's uh, also married. And his wife, Whitley, uh, she's also due uh, the beginning of February. And he's a businessman there in Colorado. And so for the, the twin boys, we started 27, almost 28 years ago. Krista and I started with two little babies. And now close to 28 years later, mm. we're going to start with two grandchildren. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, that's wonderful. And then Isaac, our third son, um, he's... Uh, 25, and uh, he is uh, living in the Tampa, Florida area. He's working at a medical clinic, and he's hoping to train and become a physician assistant this coming year. And then our daughter, Annika, is living in Colorado, and uh, she just finished her nursing degree, and she's waiting to hear back on uh, getting the certification, yeah. the board certification to be yeah. a nurse there in Colorado. Yeah, that's great. Now, she went to school in Phoenix, right? Yeah, she yeah. went to school at a place called Grand Canyon University yeah. there in Phoenix and got a degree in nursing. That's great. Yeah. Now, uh, just talking about earlier about the you know, boys, all boys, it, it was, it was. so I remember one time we were we were at one of the staff conferences in England and, and your boys were standing, you know, uh, anybody that's been to, to Cape Henry knows that there's uh, the... the, the yard the lawn is tiered off so it, you know there's drop there's a, there's a pretty sharp drop off and then it levels out another sharp drop off and and so the boys were up top and they were running mm-hmm. jumping out just throwing their bodies out in the midair doing a flip <laughs> in the air landing on their behind mm-hmm. and just you know jumping up from there and taking sure. off and i remember walking by and just you know that's the Sarone boys. That's, yeah, that's the just, boys. Yes, it's what, you know, they're just boys, yeah. what they do. So I, I just walked by and I watched it. And I thought it was pretty impressive. And I just kept walking. Well, the next day we're in the lecture hall and 
that there's an announcement being made. <laughs> no. If you see any children, any of our staff children doing things that are not safe, don't just stand there and watch them. Stop that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oops. Yes. That was our our kids, all of them, our boys in particular. They were known for throwing snowballs up on Pole Hill, cars coming by. They'd be throwing snowballs at the students at different times. Uh, but I just got to share, we knew right away when our kids were younger uh, we took them to a brand new aquarium in Denver. <laughs> and, um, you know, at this aquarium, there were two exhibits. There was an exhibit for the fish of Southeast Asia. It was all these kind of colored fish and tropical fish and a shark tank and things to push and pull. The kids were just having a blast and enjoying that. Then there was another exhibit, and it was the fish of Colorado. Trout, trout, and more trout. And uh, as we're entering this exhibit of the fish of Colorado, all of a sudden lights began to flash, sirens went off, and over the loudspeaker we heard an announcement, there's a fire in the building, you know, please (laughs) exit the building. So Chris and I are grabbing for our four kids, and uh, we're thinking there's a fire in the building, we've got to get the four kids. So we're grabbing for the four kids, one, two, three, three, two, one, (laughs) two, one, three, where's number four, where is Isaac? And we're just looking everywhere for Isaac, wondering where he is, here he's in this burning building, when we look over, and there's Isaac standing next to a pulled fire alarm. And he has this look on his face. He was probably four years old. He has this look on his face like, oh, daddy, did I do something wrong? (laughs) So I grab him. I go running to the front desk. The lady at first, I said, our little boy pulled the fire alarm. The lady at first said, oh, that's the second time that's happened this month. We've got to get that fire alarm fixed. And she quickly said, think about it. It's red. And what does it say? Pull. So why not? <laughs> Little four-year-olds pulling it. But she said, we got to get that fixed and a proper cover. But then she got serious. And she said, we need to have everyone leave the building. Uh, the fire department, the police will come and see that it's a false alarm. And as we're leaving, Chris and I are sort of kind of estimating how many people are in that building. There were probably like 500 people in oh that building. Oh, my goodness. One little boy moved 500 people. <laughs> I mean, I think about that, and that could preach. One little boy fed 5,000. One little boy moved 500. Well, and as we were leaving, we could overhear some parents saying, yeah, I wonder whose kid pulled that fire alarm. And all Chris and I could say is, yeah, I wonder whose kid pulled that fire alarm as we were leaving. So we knew right from the outset that these kids were going to be a lot of energy. And, and they really are. Yeah. And it's wonderful to see the passion that they have. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. They're, 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 they're good people. They're, yeah, they yeah. are. They're, um, now, something else about them that, you know, people that know you from years mm-hmm. back might find interesting, too, that all four of them are taller than you and Krista. They sure are. Yeah. yeah. No, really. I think they're getting taller and Krista and I are getting shorter. <laughs> you know, I think Isaac's close to being six foot three, six foot four. They they all are. I mean, right. Andrew, Ben, Isaac and Annika, they're all much taller than us. Yeah. yeah where did that come from? Yeah, you know, Krista and I, you know, we look in our families and on Krista's side and even my side, but on Krista's side, some of her brothers and her father and are, are quite tall. Yeah, so okay. it's, it's through the family. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, so now you are, um, you, you were at Ravencrest and, uh, you know, you, you uh, just started off doing whatever they had you do. You ended mm-hmm. up being director for 10 years. Uh, you were got married, had a family there. Mm-hmm. And uh, then just... 
it was was it two or three years ago mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, you that mm-hmm, you left, mm-hmm. and you're now still in the local area, right? And what, tell people what you're doing now. You're still you, you still teach at Ravencrest, but right. tell tell everybody what you're doing. Yeah, the uh, title or role of responsibility I have at the moment is a, a Torchbearers International Field Representative from Ravencrest, and so part of my responsibility would be I go up to Ravencrest different times, whether on a weekly basis, on a Monday morning and teach. I'll go over to Timberline different times and teach. And then I'm uh, beginning to go to the different centers. Okay. You know, as we get out of this whole COVID challenge and international travel opens up, that I'll be going to the different centers and teaching. And then as I go and I speak at different churches or different conferences, really part of that is to represent and share about torchbearers. Okay. And so, yeah. And you're you're, um, reconnecting with alumni. Yep. Yeah. yeah, in which uh, some of the other things that I'm doing, um, we're connected with a church down in Loveland, and mm-hmm. so I'm doing some leadership development there among the staff and the elders in particular, enjoying that. But then also the Lord is really opening up some doors, and uh, as these doors are opening up, of getting reconnected with uh, Torchborough alumni, especially Ravencrest alumni, that um, I remember them when they were 18 and 19 yeah. years old as students, yeah. but 20 years later. Now they're in their 30s, 40s, and some of them are involved in ministries, they're involved in businesses. God's really given them openings of leadership opportunities, and it's been great to reconnect with them, and almost in a role of like a life coach or advisor, consultant, uh, pouring into their lives, opportunities to go and meet up with them, having some Bible studies with them, but then also giving some training, some leadership development, some biblical training for some of their leadership staff at different places. And I'm really enjoying that. It's like reconnecting with the alumni, but in the various roles that they have now. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Yeah, that's neat. Um, You and I were talking last night at the house, uh, kind of laughing because, you know, we we were on staff, full-time staff for Mm -hmm. so many years uh, that... There's a lot of things we didn't have to think about, mm-hmm. a lot of things we never had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Some of those things, you know, we couldn't deal with mm-hmm. because, you know, we were living on a torchbearer salary, which mm-hmm. is, you know, not not, mm-hmm. <laughs> not real big. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, so all of a sudden, you know, we, we leave the, the, the centers that mm-hmm. we were at. And all of a sudden, we had to deal with things we'd never mm-hmm. dealt with before. Like, how do you get alone? Right. Yeah, I mean, before we knew it wasn't even worth trying. Be- no. But now, how do we go about doing that? And to buy a house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you yeah. do that? And, uh, you know, you you were saying that, you know, one of the boys was was sitting next to you, kind of guiding you, oh. helping you through it. Yeah. And the same with me. My son-in-law mm-hmm. and I, we're both sitting there learning this together. Sure. Uh, so it's kind of interesting the way, you know, you also saying, you know, other people your age are talking about retirement and you're thinking, yeah. I'm just <laughs> getting started. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm 55 years old and I'm sitting with two of our boys, Andrew and Ben and their wives, and they're telling us about homes that they have purchased and how they go about it. I look at Kristen, I'm like, and we're going to be like first time homeowners here soon. Uh, They're way beyond us that way, but it is great to watch them develop and grow. Sort of like sitting with your girls last night. I mean, they're just business owners. Yeah. Uh, Just watching them. Your your, your, uh, son-in-law is uh, telling me about his house that they're building. That is just wonderful to see. And it's something to watch how how that happens. And yeah, but I think what's so encouraging to me, one of Lauren, my oldest daughter last night, uh, after you left, she came over and was talking to me about it and just how neat it is to see that, Mm -hmm. you know, the Lord 
is, you know, we, we were, we weren't in a position to do things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were here for so many years mm-hmm. on staff that, you know, you leave and okay, now what? And mm-hmm. to see, you know, how the Lord has taken care of that, you know, right. how he, how he's the, the, th- the really miraculous things that mm-hmm. he's done, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's been really encouraging. You know, right. I think it's been, it was encouraging for her to see, yeah. you know, to see this, you know, cause that, you know, people would often think, you know, how long are you going to be here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, my plan was just die here. Sure. You know, I wouldn't go in anywhere. Right. I enjoyed it. And all of a sudden the Lord changed the plans. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but he, he took care of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, people that are out there listening, I, I know you're facing things, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, you correspond with me and, uh, it's real, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, but our, our God is faithful. You know, he tells us, you know, Christ tells us, seek first the kingdom of God. I know this is the, the Gentiles eagerly seek mm-hmm. these things. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. that you need these things. I love that statement. Oh. He says, I know that you need these things, but yep. seek first my kingdom yeah, and, and all these things shall be added to you. And, you know, like you said before about as we've received him by faith, yeah. so walk in him by faith. Mm. And yeah, I do. I pray for anyone that is listening because what a strange time that we're living in, mm-hmm. in our culture, in our world, internationally, the challenges, whether politically, the challenges culturally, the challenges spiritually that folks are going through. And you might be going through a transition right now because we all live in different ages and stages of life. And you might be at a place right now where you're going to have to step out into something new Mm. and understanding that Christ who has been sufficient for you in your past is a Christ that is sufficient for all that you need Mm. right now in the present. And I think for some of us, even in our own lives, It's so easy to be defined by something in our past, but we need to understand our past never defines us, but God uses our past to refine us Mm. to become the men and women of God he wants us to be. Yeah, that's right. And so as much as it's it's days of panic, it can be great days of understanding deep peace Mm. that only Christ can give. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Yeah. I appreciate that. And and, and, and you're right. I mean, I, I... you know, we're both hearing from alumni, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and they're, you know, because of what we're going through right now with you know COVID and the mm-hmm. political situation around the world, that uh, the, you know some of our alumni are really in stressful situations, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we want to, we do want to encourage them mm-hmm. that that Christ, you know, He never leaves, He mm-hmm. never forsakes, mm-hmm. uh, and you know God, being sovereign, desires, mm-hmm. He desires us, yeah. And, and he's, uh, and and he always, he always, always shows himself faithful. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, appreciate that. Um, so, uh, what what are you teaching this week here? Yeah, this week I'm teaching among the first year students, I'm teaching the minor prophets. And then, uh, for the second year students, I'm teaching on leadership principles from the Proverbs. Okay. And I just, I enjoy both of those passages of scripture, in particular, the minor prophets. Mm. There are books of the Bible that sometimes we neglect and we don't think much about, but there's incredibly major messages from these minor prophets. And, and what God did then is incredibly so relevant in our lives today. I was just finishing up the book of Joel this morning, and uh, there's a passage there in Joel where it says, 
in which the Lord, speaking through Joel, says to the people, you know, don't rend your garments, but rend your heart. And, and really an idea of be real with me. Mm. And as I was sharing with the students that life isn't about a religious event, but life has to be about a relational experience with Christ. Mm. And when it's a religious event, it's it's just put on. But when it's a relational experience with Christ, it's so real mm. from the inside out. Mm. And really the question is, how is your heart? How's mm. your heart? And, uh, you know, it's search me, O God, and know my heart. And it's at that place that God does some great healing and does some great work in our hearts. So it's an Old Testament book, but incredibly relevant for yeah. us today. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, that's one of the things that I, you know, for people who may be listening and you're thinking about attending a Torchbearer mm-hmm. Center and you think, well, let's see, the, the, the Old Testament is this semester. I want to go to the New Testament mm-hmm. semester because I can only do mm-hmm. one. You know, I, I'd really encourage you to pray a little more about that because mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how many students have mm-hmm. come saying that they, they are so thankful that mm-hmm. they were here for the Old Testament yeah. uh, because and I think the best way I've heard it explained is that Christ is, you find Christ throughout the Bible in the Old Testament concealed and in the New Testament revealed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really helps a lot with mm-hmm. the New Testament, you know, to to see how they go together and how they complement and um, and you know, really, you're, it's 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 one book, really. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. from from Genesis to Revelation, and uh, and it's really beneficial. I'm I'm reading through and studying right now uh, Jonah, mm. and you know, I you know, it's I'm so appreciative, you know, to to see that you know, you know, like we were talking about before, mm-hmm. the fact that God does not abandon His own, Mm-mm. and Mm-mm. and he and he doesn't abandon His plan. No. No, he doesn't. And and so, you know, we can really mess up, go the wrong, I mean, the mm. opposite direction oh. <laughs> and think we're hiding and running. And 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 there he is mm-hmm. being faithful to who he is. And when he's faithful to who he is, it's nothing but benefit for us. Oh. It may be painful. Mm-hmm. And often it's our fault that it's painful. But, but my goodness, oh. how good he is. And it, it, to... to, to to, to work his will out in us. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. Go ahead. And, and, you know, that's what I've been looking at, Kelly. Just recently, the Lord has really impressed upon me how, as the good shepherd, mm. he's never worried where he finds the sheep. Oh, wow. He's more concerned where he's going to lead the sheep. Mm. And, you know, I think so often we can be paralyzed by pain of the past or we become hypnotized by fear of the future. Mm. And the evil one has us utterly useless in the present. When Christ says, you've been forgiven of the past, don't be paralyzed by the pain of the past. Don't be hypnotized. And maybe some of us right now, the fear of the future, the next step, what are we going to do? This ain't working out. What's going to take place? What am I going to do at the end of the month? I don't have enough money to pay for my rent. Mm. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do in this decision. What should I do? Remember this that the truth will set you free. As we know Christ, the truth will set us free. We've been set free from being paralyzed, the pain of the past, and we've been set free from being hypnotized by the fear of the future. Mm. And it's so liberating. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I appreciate you bringing that up. You know, I was, uh, I, can, uh, I, I can see the passage now, you know, the, and the truth set you free. But, and that's, uh, um, what is that passage? John eight thirty two, I believe. Okay, then, and so thirty one, I mm. think, is where it says, "If you abide in my word." Oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah. And, you know, we, we want that truth to set us free, but that's mm-hmm. where it's found. It's with him, mm-hmm. abiding in Jesus, mm-hmm. waiting, mm-hmm. you know, waiting on him, being with him. Yep. And and his truth is revealed oh. and and sets us free yeah. in any situation. Right. And yeah. it's so powerful. And as we go through life, you use that word abide. Sometimes it can be the idea of remain. Yeah. As we remain in him, right. as we remain in him. And I often like to put it this way. As you look back over your life, there are various reminders that we might have. And those reminders remain to remind us to remain in Christ every step of the way. And as challenges come and as problems come and... Often as you teach at the different Torchbearer Centers, Kelly, and I, I hear it as students say, Kelly tells us, if you, keep, if you keep your eye on the problem, you're going to just see the problem. But may you put your eyes on the person of Christ and you'll take whatever obstacle you're facing and that'll become an opportunity for God to demonstrate his sufficiency. Mm. So that truly is remaining in him. And I, I appreciate, you know, Frank, uh, that, you know, for, for you know, ending this by taking us back mm. to being fixed on Jesus. And, mm. and really that's that's the phrase that we keep mm-hmm. using mm-hmm. here with the podcast is that we just want to remind people, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Mm-hmm. So thanks for your time yeah. and uh, appreciate you being here again. And uh, it's, uh, it's really neat for me uh, because you and I haven't seen each other in about mm-hmm. three years mm-hmm. because either, you know, I was I would be gone when you come mm-hmm. or, you, or if I go up there, you weren't mm-hmm. there. And I thought, well, finally, we've moved back. I'll see you at least once a year. Well, they mm-hmm. had us they had us teaching <laughs> in Col- had me in Colorado and you in Texas at the same time. So mm-hmm. somehow it ended up that we could be together this year. So that's great. So, Frank, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And, uh, and make sure to tell Krista and the kids I said hello. Great. Well, thank you, Kelly, for setting this up. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do in using the podcast. And uh, I appreciate your friendship over these years. Well, thank you, Frank. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast featuring Frank Cerrone, a field rep and resident teacher at Ravencrest and longtime friend of the Hill. We hope it was uplifting to hear Frank's story about how he came to understand the importance of living out his faith in Christ. We have our annual ladies retreat coming to the hilltop April 1st through the 3rd, and we would love to welcome you here for a weekend getaway. There will be time of fellowship, worship, and teaching from Dr. Anita Cooper, the beloved director of the Bible teaching program at Columbia International University. If you would like more information or are interested in attending, please contact our office by email at retreats at hishill.org or by phone at 830-995-3388. You've been listening to the His Hill podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty and Frank Cerrone. If you would like to get in touch with Frank or Kelly, please feel free to reach out to them via email. Frank can be reached at frank at ravencrest.org and Kelly can be reached at kelly at hishill.org. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week to another episode of the His Hill Podcast. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. He is for you. I'm Lizzie. See you next week.